are in a series called The Organic Life. We're actually wrapping it up. We will wrap it up next week at the Chili Cook-Off. You will each get a little birthright birth certificate that you will have. That's just, trust me, it's going to go along with the sermon. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then you will turn that into the chili that you will actually give your inheritance over for that chili with the one you want. So we're going to be talking about that. And that will be the final week. But this is our final fruit of the Spirit. And that's what we've been talking about uh, is the fruit of the Spirit. And so we've talked about love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all these things that we want in our lives, faithfulness and gentleness. And this morning, you're just so happy you're here. And if you're watching online, we are glad you're here as well. We are going to talk about self-control. Ushers, if you would close the back doors, please. We are not letting anyone leave. self Control. If you are like me, there's an area in your life, maybe two, possibly three, okay, where you are just like, man, I don't know what it is about this particular thing, but I can't control it. So, for example, let's say you come to church in the morning and there's some blueberry scones out on the coffee cart. And you're like me, and what you do is uh, you, you have self-control. I don't know if you know this. This is actually science. I'm not making this up. You actually have so much self-control per day. And so that, I'm not kidding. This is, I'll, I'll get you all the studies. It, I, didn't want, I didn't have time to go into it all, but you do. And so that's why they show studies that if you are doing something like you, there's a plate of cookies and you've exercised self-control, then when you get to the next thing, you don't have as much. It's science. I don't know why it happened the way it does, but that's the way it is. And so what we're going to be talking about this morning is how do we get our lives in, situated into such a way that we have this same amount of self-control that Jesus had. Because as we'll see, every single fruit of the Spirit is manifested in the life of Jesus. But before we get started, um, yeah, I know I was looking for my glasses. They're not there, but my lovely assistant will bring me some. Uh, it is very difficult for us to connect our future self with current stimuli, Okay. It's very difficult for us to connect our future self with current stimuli. I see what I mean. Oh, you are the best. Thank you. For those of you online, there was a supermodel that goes to church here that got me my glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Vanna White, but uh, knows the Lord. Okay. Uh, Maybe she does. I don't know. I don't know, Anna White. Okay. So it's very difficult. And you, you, you've seen this before. I mean, you understand this, that what is immediate oftentimes feels like most important. Because there's a future self that's going to be impacted by every decision that we make. And let me just give you a little hint on yourself. I don't know everybody. Well, I almost do, but uh, everybody here. But let me, say, let me tell you something that I know about you. You have been involved in every poor decision you've ever made. <laughs> every bad decision you have made, you've been there. And you've had input into it, right? And so uh, I, I came up with this a couple years ago, and I just it stuck with me. No matter what you do, there will be a future you. No matter what you do, there will be a future you, unless you 
walk across the freeway, then there will not be a future you. I'll be the present you for just a second, right? No matter what you do. So in other words, we have to think of our decision-making in terms of how am I going to appreciate or not appreciate this later on in life? No matter what you do, there's going to be a future you. If you marry that person you're not supposed to marry, future you will go, hey, bro, what are you doing, man? Right? Or female, whatever. You, no matter what you do, there's going to be a future you. No matter how you, what your eating habits are now, they're going to affect future you. And oftentimes, if you're like me, we never think of future me damaged. Right? I always think of future me as like happy and like in shape and got all sorts of money and present me, no, but that's okay. Future me will have that. And yet, it was past me that created present me that's going to create future me. No matter what you do, there's going to be a future you. And so what we're going to try and do this morning, as best we can, the short amount of time we have, the two hours we have this morning, uh, we are going to try and give ourselves some tips, some tricks, some examples of what it looks like to be able to live a life that is under control, that can exercise self-control. And there might be some surprises. For some of you, we're going to be looking at scripture you've seen your whole life uh, if you've been a follower of Jesus for any long time. But I want to review real quickly Galatians before it gets to the fruit of the Spirit, how uh, the Apostle Paul gets us ready. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. We all know this. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus or you're new to the Bible or you're new to Christianity or whatever, you've experienced this. There are some things you knew, the way you were designed, whatever, that you were not supposed to be engaged in that particular thing and you can't help it and you want to do it and future you will forgive you because you are future you and I'll make a decision to forgive myself later. And so you, you decide that it's contrary to spirit and the spirit, and this is what we don't think about oftentimes, is contrary to our flesh. Like God is opposed to our flesh oftentimes, okay? They're in conflict with each other. There's a tension in all of our decisions so that you are not to do whatever you want. We live in a culture, nothing against America. I love America. God bless America. But our culture is like, you do you. You do you. It doesn't matter. As long as you're not hurting anybody, you do you. Well, you've done you, and here you are. And if you continue to do you, your future you will go Either great job, keep up the good work, or I wish I could get those back. For some of us, for some of us, we're going to get to future you, and it will be too late to change. Okay, so let's review some of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, that's sacrificing like Jesus, right? Jesus says, no greater love has any man than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said, uh, you call me Lord, Lord, why don't you do what I say? He wrapped a towel around his waist. He was serving. We love to love. We sacrifice like Jesus. And if, uh, like I say often, when it's a list like this, you can just pull out your phone, take a picture, and then you got it. 
Uh, joy is experiencing life like Jesus. Uh, Hebrews says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy. When we see pictures of Jesus, I'm always a little disappointed when he looks, looks like he lost a puppy. He, like it just, he's just kind of like sitting there and it's like, oh, he's anointed with the oil of joy. Peace is abiding like Jesus. Philippians says this, that you're not to be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Well, Jesus modeled that for us. And so he lived a life of peace even when there was so much conflict around him. Patience is just trusting like Jesus. It will happen in God's timing if it's supposed to happen. Right? Kindness and goodness is responding like Jesus. I don't know if Jesus would have been on Twitter. Faithfulness, persevering like Jesus. Gentleness, confronting like Jesus. And self-control, and here's the key that we'll have for this morning, is actually being controlled by Jesus. Self-control is actually giving up control. Where I find myself in issues in my life, it's that I'm trying to take control. I want to be in control. Many of the people that I know that are struggling, medicating, over-medicating themselves, the root of that is that they've been trying to be in control and they realize they can't be in control, so they'd rather medicate to feel better about not being in control. When in fact, the better way would be to be controlled by Christ. And so those are the fruit of the Spirit. And so Galatians 5.25, after this list, just says this, since we live by the Spirit, this is the key point, keep in step with the Spirit. We keep in step. If the Spirit of God says to not do that, not engage in that, we do not engage in that. If the Spirit of God says, hey, it's time to get moving, let's go, get up, let's go. It's time to get up and let's go. Some of us We've gotten through COVID now. You know, maybe there's still remnants and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to get into all that. But for some of us, you've had two years to figure it all out. Now it's time to get going, okay? It's time to get up, get out, start engaging, right? The way that God has created you to engage. Again, we'll leave all the politics behind. But for some of us, that might be what God's asking. Maybe he asks you not to do that. That's fine. But I wanted to give you kind of an idea of how our brains work before we get into the scripture. And it looks something like this. There's the importance of something, your retirement, your health, raising children, and then there's time, okay? So those are the two axes. So if you look at something like I would this, you know, this week, what I want to order on Amazon might be relatively important, right? But is it as important as my retirement or my savings? This is a little piggy bank, by the way. Okay, I spent a lot of time on this. All right. So, so you've got whatever it is. And you can put your health here. This could be a donut, and that could be, I don't know, being able to walk up a flight of stairs. I don't know what it is, but these are the things that are important. So this is obviously more important than whatever I'm going to buy on Amazon, right? Well, watch what happens. As time goes on, the smaller thing is immediate and it becomes big. I want that thing right now, right? So we'll keep with my scone idea. I wanted a scone this morning right away. I didn't care that future self 
may or may not like it. I wanted my scone. And then the next one, and then that third one. But the point is, is that this is what happens in time. These are what we call impulses. But over time, we don't, we make this small. Oh yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. That's my future self, right? And so this is the struggle we all have. This is the struggle you have with dating, Maybe, maybe long term, you want an, a, a relationship that's, that's rich and, and intimate and, you know, um, fulfilling. And you have to invest a lot of time and submit yourself to another person over time for that to happen. But it's like, I just want to go on a date. I just want to feel wanted. I just want to, and the, God might be saying, that's not quite the person. You're like, I don't care. But what if it affects What's in the future? No matter what you do, there will be a future you. All right, so let's look at what Paul says, because Paul is just like all of us, which is really encouraging. We look at some of these people, Jesus, Paul, Peter, all these things. Sometimes we think, but Jesus was tempted in every single way that we could be he came out on top, but Paul says it this way, and I, I'm using the message version. The message version is basically uh, just, it's the Bible, but um, a scholar translated it into the vernacular, essentially, okay? He says this, I realize that I don't have what it takes, <laughs> okay? Maybe some of you are here this morning or watching online, and you're like, amen, brother, I am following with you. I can will it, but I can't do it. Okay, might be a substance, it might be something. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, not to share that post, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in action. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. This is the Apostle Paul. So we are all on the same ground as it relates to self-control. We are all in the same place, even the Apostle Paul. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is right there to trip me up. Again, they are in conflict with one another. And what we'll begin to see in a little bit, just like every other fruit, there's pruning and there's feeding. So you might get to the end of this service. You might already be thinking about it right now. That the Spirit of God is speaking to you, saying, it's time. It's time to give it up. Or it's time to step into service. Or it's time to lay down your life for your spouse. Or it's time to deal with that anger issue that you have. Proverbs 25, 28 says it this way. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man or woman, person who lacks self-control. And you think to yourself, well, what does that mean? Well, sometimes a city can have no walls. What's the big deal, right? You, do, you go, you go out, you go hunting or whatever, you come back, you got, everything's fine. Until what? Until there's an enemy, right? And this is the human condition. 
We live our lives, oh, we're just doing this, we're just doing this, nothing's gone wrong, everything's okay, everyone says it's fine what I'm doing. We have this thing in our culture. It's really odd. I don't know why it's happening now, but it's really odd that if you're affirmed in whatever you're doing, then that's supposed to make it safe. <laughs> but if it's damaging to you, it's damaging to you. It's just you haven't seen the results of the consequences yet. And so that's what Proverbs says. Basically, no matter what you do, there will be a future you. And the rooster, if you will, or the hen or whatever, comes to roost. This is why we look in Luke and it says this. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. You say, well, didn't Jesus just pray and read his Bible? Well, he did that. But look, look at where he grew. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He lived a life that had self-control. So let's look at a section of Scripture in 1 Corinthians I'll give you a little example because this is key to understanding self-control. Paul came from a perspective that your life has eternal value. That your life isn't just to be lived on this earth and then hopefully if you die, you made it to heaven and you didn't go to hell. And that your life basically is just there until the end and then you end up in one place or the other. Paul believed that your life, your decisions... How you live has eternal value now. That the decisions you make can impact the kingdom of God now. As a matter of fact, what he says before this is this. Essentially, I'm going to navigate my life and manage my life in such a way that no matter who I'm around, I don't let anything get in the way of sharing the gospel with them. Essentially, what Paul says is this, my life, my existence is my testimony. How I control my life, how I live my life, how the fruit of the Spirit is displayed in my life is the testimony. Not how well you can argue, because you can argue all you want, but if your life is such in such shambles, no one wants to listen to you. My life how I live my life? Am I a non-anxious presence? Am I, do I have love and joy and peace and patience? And so Paul says, when I'm around Jews, I act like a Jew. Again, not giving up the testimony. He doesn't mean that now he's under the law and that's the only way to make it, to have a relationship with God is to be under. No, no, no. He just says, when I'm around Jews, I just alternate my life to make sure that, because my life has eternal value and I'm affecting these people. He says that I might win the Jews. Again, not convince them, but just that I might not be a stumbling block to Jews. When I'm around Greeks, I'm Greek. Again, that doesn't mean you go to the club with these people. And, you know, it's, it's, obviously, he just says, I'm going to adjust my life so that nothing gets in the way of them coming to know Jesus. That's the context in which we're seeing these next verses. If I'm, if I'm around people who are under the law, I'll just follow their rules. If I'm around people who aren't under the law, I'll follow their rules. One of the things he talked about was meat sacrifice to idols, okay? The Jews didn't do that. The Greeks did. Basically, like, who's your butcher, essentially, is the question, right? And, and 
Paul's like, look, uh, my salvation has nothing to do with that. But if I'm around Jews, I'm not going to eat that stuff because it's going to be a stumbling block to them. Does that make sense? That's your life. Your life is your witness. And so he's, that's the context. So he says this. Don't you know, do you not know that in a race, everybody runs? I ran uh, the L.A. Marathon. Let me, I'm sorry. I participated in the L.A. Marathon. Okay. And when you start that thing, I don't know if you've ever seen it or been in it. I advise don't be in it. That's stupid. But you can watch it. And so I was in it. And uh, it starts early in the morning, and then everybody uh, is in like, because uh, you're trying to stay warm, you bring jackets and sweatpants and stuff that you're going to leave there. You just, right when the gun goes off or however they do it, uh, everyone just, you just watch all these clothes just go up in the air. They donate them all and all that kind of stuff. But there's no hindrance, nothing. Like, all runners run, but only one wins the prize. And he's probably from Kenya, Okay. Uh, that's, that's who won my, the race I was in, uh, that, that I participated in. Okay. All runners run, but only one gets the prize. Now watch. Discipline is choosing between what we want now and what we want most. Who we want to be. No matter what we do, there's going to be a future you. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. Okay, run in such a way, live in such a way to win. You say, well, if only one person is going to win the prize, I know a guy who's way more spiritual than me, they'll probably win the prize. You're missing the whole point. What, what, what Paul is trying to say is run in such a way to win the prize of the manifestation of the Spirit of God empowering you, molding you, shaping you. Pointing you in the right direction. He goes on. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. So this prize they were talking about, this is, he's making reference, this is in Corinth, to the Isthmian games. Okay? And so they would have all these, everybody would get ready for this. It's like the Olympics, but it was like in Corinth. And uh, it was really cool. Sorry, I'm geeking out a little bit over the Bible. But in the study I did this week, I was reading this. Uh, they would have like boxing wrestling, running, like, like we would all, uh, all have. A lot of it was in the nude, but that's okay. Anyway, it was back in the day. But they do poetry reading. So if you're like, hey, I'm not really into sports, I'm into poetry. It applies to you. They had, they had poetry re uh, reading that you could win a prize for. Isn't that fascinating? You guys don't care. Okay, anyway. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Your life has eternal value. How you live your life has great importance to those around you. Whether they be at your work, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your church. How you structure your life has great value. You say, well, these are just decisions that I make for myself. There's no such thing in the Bible as just decisions you make for yourself. The Bible, that's foreign to the Bible. The decisions you make are all part of all of us. That's what the Bible says. Discipline is choosing between what we want now and what we want most. Therefore, Paul says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. There is a course mapped out for you. 
You say, I really wish my course involved being married. <laughs> that may or may not be the course God has marked out for you. You have to take that up with him. You might say, uh, uh, I hope the course marked out for me is that I get married again. <laughs> okay, That may or may not be his course that's set out for you. A fourth or fifth time, uh, it might be you. Okay. Right? Our course, God has set you on this planet. Your ability to control yourself, to be under the control of Jesus, has massive influence on those around you. I don't run aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air, just blindly swinging. I meet people all the time. That's how they live their life. There's no structure. It's just about what's happening today, what's happening tomorrow, and that's it. It's just like swinging and swinging, and they wonder why their life is in shambles. Paul says, we don't live like that. No, I strike a blow to my body, and I make it my slave. Now watch, here's the witness I'm talking about that all of us are. We're all a witness, whether it's good or bad. So that after I have preached to others, I myself would not be disqualified for the prize. You think, you mean you can disqualify yourself from going to heaven? Well, maybe, I guess if you made a conscious choice to like say, I don't want to follow God anymore and that, that's that. That's not what he's talking about. There's something about submitting your life to Jesus all of it, every area of your life that has benefit today. Not just being within heaven for eternity. That is important. There's no doubt about that. We talk all the time about we want to make sure we're living, we have a relationship with Jesus. But that there's a prize. There's something about this fruit of the Spirit. I mean, imagine the prize of me walking around with love. And joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The Bible goes on to say, against those things, there's no law. There's no negative. There's no, you don't have to even worry about how much you have of those things. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. And our ability to control ourselves, or rather be under the control of Jesus, is how those things manifest. Things either need to be pruned or they need to be fed. So I want to show you, I want to switch to Philippians right now. Again, this is a very famous section of scripture that Paul says. And he's trying to talk about how he navigates his life now under the lordship of Jesus. How, what, what, what his perspective is, what his eternal perspective is. And this is the perspective that all of us should have if you are a disciple of Jesus. Whatever things were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. You will see this quite a bit as people are dying, okay? Not to be morbid or anything, but as people know that they're about ready to pass or something's coming up or there's a diagnosis, oftentimes what you find is they go back to past themselves, past you, and they go, why did I spend all that time worried about X? Why did I spend all that time having to be right? Why did I spend all that time just for pleasure for myself? Why did I spend all that money on stuff that I have nothing to show for? Why did I do that? This is what Paul says, and he says, you don't have to wait until you die. 
You can have that conversation with you right now. He's having it. Whatever things were gained to me, now that I've submitted myself to the Lordship of Christ, they don't mean anything to me anymore. Oftentimes I talk to, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Those things that were gained to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. You ever done that? Have you ever grown up? Of course you have, right? You were five years old. What was important to you when you were five years old? G.I. Joe with a Kung Fu grip, whatever, whatever it was. That was, I'm dating myself. That's, that was, for me, that was like a big deal. Hot wheel, my Hot Wheels, all that stuff. Oh, my goodness. Imagine I'm 30 years old, and I'm like, <laughs> my Hot Wheels. You go like, John, bro, you got to get it together. I know my Hot Wheels, my Hot Wheels. Lisa took my Hot Wheels. Like, but they were in your bed. It was a racetrack, right? Because what I do, I, I grew up. This is what Paul's saying. Hey, hey, in Jesus, I grew up. The things that were really important to me, under the lordship of Christ, they're nothing to me anymore. I consider them loss. If you're an accountant, anybody in business, I went from what, the credit column, I realized I was posting in the wrong column. Is the debit column. Okay? All right. I lost most of you. All right, here we go. Balance your checkbook, people. All right, what is more, okay, what is more is that as I've continued down this path of following Jesus and putting more and more things under the lordship of Jesus, I consider everything a loss it, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Now, these are the lenses by which we see our lives. The lens by which I see my finances. The lenses in which I see my health. The lens in which I see my relationships. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I've lost everything. You say, John, does that mean I have to give up everything? It means that you have to give up control of everything. You don't have to give up everything. You don't have to give up your relationships. You have to give up controlling your relationships. You don't have to give up your kids, although that might be appealing to some. You have to give up control of your kids, if that makes sense. You don't have to give up all your finances. You make good money and you've worked hard and all that. You need to give up control of your finances. This is what Paul is saying, that self-control is really no control. It's being controlled by Christ. Jesus controls when I wake up in the morning. Jesus controls how I spend my money, right? This is what Paul's saying. Jesus has a hard time controlling when I wake up in the morning, actually, personally. I consider them garbage. This is how important it has been for Paul to come under the lordship of Christ. I, I, I'm not even interested in that stuff anymore. And then he makes this great point. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Like, in other words, I, I don't want to medicate. I, I don't want to escape what's going on around me. I don't need to escape. I have Jesus. Jesus went through much more suffering than whatever it is I'm going through right now. He's my example. He's my Lord. He's my King. He says, you can do this. You can make it. You can be single. You can make it through this marriage. 
You can make it through this season of diagnoses or whatever it is, this season of looking for work, for all these things that feel so much pressure. But guess what? You don't have to hold the pressure because you're not in control. Self-control is no control. It's saying, God, this is the place I'm in. What would you have me do? I want to know Christ. And you say, well, is that going to make it all good? Well, let's see what he says. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Yay! And participate in his sufferings. Boo. Becoming like him in his death. Oh. Nuts. You mean it's not all going to be Skittles and rainbows? No. But it's so freeing to let it go. It's so freeing that your value doesn't come from relationships. Your value doesn't come from your education. Your value doesn't come from your paint job. Right? Your value doesn't come from who your family is or socioeconomic. My value is the same as anyone I'll meet on this campus throughout the week. Same value. So freeing. He says, not that I've obtained all of this. Right? I haven't quite made it there. Or that I've already arrived at my goal. He still knows that there's a future him. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. He's just processing through this like all of us. But one thing I do, he says. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. Here's the heaven word I was talking about earlier. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. In other words, to experience what it's like to be free now. What it's like to not have to be in control now. What it's like to let my kids be kids and to guide them and direct them, but my identity does not come with how clean they are, how clean their room is, what kind of grades they get, what position they are on the soccer team, none of that. It's freedom. Jesus takes those things away. So here's what I want to do real quickly. I want to give us three things that will give us control of Jesus, uh, give, give control over to Jesus, and these things are hard, okay? There's only three of them. They're hard. You ready? Here's the first one. Three things to give control to Jesus. One, stop lying to yourself. Scales, I call them scales. When you step on a scale, it doesn't say, hey, you're doing great. It doesn't say, you know, I know it's been a long week. I really do. You know what? First of all, I didn't even know there was that many calories in pasta. It doesn't do any of that. It gives you a number. That's your number. Okay, no matter what, that's your number. You say, John, this is very, this is, sounds very, okay, forget scales. They just, all of them have an S in them, so I had to use scales, okay? Scales. Then whatever it is, I'm an alcoholic. This is why AA is so important, or NA, or SA, or whatever it is. You stand before a whole bunch of people, or sit in front of a whole bunch of people, and you stop lying to yourself, and you go, I have a problem, Okay? And this is the, the first one. We look through the lens of ourselves that God looks through. Not, oh, it'll be okay. You're not as bad as so-and-so. No, none of that. 
Stop lying to yourself. Jesus speaks truth into our lives. Okay, and he doesn't create little systems that make us feel better. If you have a porn problem, you have a porn problem. You objectify people. That's what it is. You own it. Own it. Stop lying to ourselves. That's one of the very first ones. And we're really good at it, aren't we? Come on. I, I convinced myself there was only 10 calories in those scones. I couldn't figure it out. I'm going to look it up online. Stop lying to it. We use scales. It is what it is. You have an anger problem. No, no, no. I just speak my mind. No, you have an anger problem. You're going to have to deal with it, right? I just, I just want excellence for my kids. No, you're controlling. Own it. That's where we start. All right, I told you it was hard. Number one, prioritize what you value most. Remember, it's difficult to get, we, it's hard for us to put these two aside, what I value most and what I want right now. Prioritize what you value most. Make it difficult to pull out your credit card. Maybe you don't pull, take your credit card with you. These are systems that you have. You say, I, what's really important to me is my relationship with God. Okay, what time do you wake up? Oh, it's hard for me to wake up. But then what time do you go to bed? Like, get your systems to match up with what you value. I really, okay, this is going to be, oh, it's going to be tough, okay, for parents out there. I really want my kids to grow up and follow Jesus. Okay. So does club soccer do that? Because you've prioritized that. You spent 2500 bucks to get them on a silver team. They really should have been on the gold team. Okay, I get it, right? And then it's just like everything gets into going, 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 going. It's what I value most, but you're not prioritizing it at all. I'll give you one little thing just to make you feel guilty before you go. Not you guys because you're here on Sunday. But one of the things post-COVID is people having church going be a regular part of their schedule, Right? And I get it. We have I'm looking into a camera right now. I embrace online stuff. But I would say this to those who are watching online or do watch online. Prioritize that at least. Like in other words, set a time aside where you say, I am going to participate from this time to this time. I'm shutting everything else out because I'm prioritizing what I value most. And gathering, at least for me, is a priority in my life. It might be tithing. It might be your finances. Whatever it is, what do you prioritize? Uh, prioritize what you value most. Those are in your systems, creating healthy systems. And then fine. Thirdly, and this might be the hardest one, don't do it alone. So I got scales, systems. This is the best I could come up with with an S. Even at thesaurus.com, I had a trouble. Sherpas, these are the people that travel with you. They're guides. They've been there before many times, and they're willing to carry some of your stuff with you. Let me tell you something. This could be the hardest thing you incorporate in your spiritual life. We are starting Rooted, which is an intensive Bible study and time. We're in small groups, and some of you, I get it, are like, there is no way. No way at this part of my time in my life I'm going to get into a group and share about my life. I need to get my life fixed first. <laughs> you won't. You won't. You need the group. You need the Sherpas. You need those who have gone before you who say, you know what, bro, I'm telling you, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's a 
Peter comes back up, and thanks so much for being here this morning. We really appreciate uh, having you. I want to know him. And yes, the power of his resurrection, but also the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to keep in step with the Spirit, like Galatians 5.17 says. I want, I, I want to be in step. I want to experience the fruit of the Spirit. It's going to come down to this, your ability to give up control and to allow Jesus to have a big influence on your decision-making for future you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, and um, we'll uh, have a little bit of time to reflect. Uh, we usually end with a, a, a song that's uh, slower. In the coming weeks, we're going to take this time and have people coming forward that will pray for you. And you might think, oh my goodness, I don't want anyone praying for me. That sounds so, what if I, you know, they've heard it all, okay? But it might be that for you to break through in a different area, you come forward and have someone, you just say, look, I'm, I'm really struggling in this area, or maybe you want to keep it quiet, just go, I, I just want prayer. And they'll be praying for you. So I'll have that. But during this time, if you'd like to take uh, this song and come and kneel at the, at the uh, stage, at what we would call the altar, that might just be a nice time for you to just, uh, God, you know this area that I've been struggling in. I want you to have control. I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your sufferings. Lord Jesus. These things are so difficult. I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you took every thought captive. You, every time you were tempted, you won. It just seems so impossible. And yet, you promise us over and over again, we will not experience anything that you have not provided a way of escape for, that you have not empowered us through the power of your Holy Spirit to deal with. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Jesus that song ends with and lead me in your love to those around me our ability to control ourselves our ability to remove control and allow God to control us has a direct impact on those around you. And now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his peace, in his strength, and in his love. In Jesus' name, amen.